0: Well, I'm going to start us this morning. There's a there's a couple things, and I hope that when we were singing the songs, you kind of drew on the the points that we're trying to make about our heavenly Father and about His great love, because all of those songs were were supposed to illuminate that word to us. But I'm going to start us here in the Grand Canyon. Um, The Grand Canyon spans some 277 miles of the Colorado River. It's so immense that we can't take it in. Its sheer size and the vast beauty are completely overwhelming and that's why it reminds me of God see God is so much bigger and so much more powerful than we can wrap our minds around the God who carved out the canyons and put the stars in space transcends our human understanding see and Paul understood that maybe honey you are so good thanks baby it's not working smack it I gotta do the smacking thing there we go okay thanks honey Okay, and I want us to, to focus right now on Acts 17, 24 through 27. And this is Paul, and he is, he's arrived in Athens, and he wants to, he's walking in, and these Athenians, they're very, they like to learn about new things. But they have, he realizes they have many gods. And he's walking in, and gods with a little g, let me be specific. And he's walking in, and, and he sees all of these little shrines in the sides of the hills, And he's like, what's up with this? And then he walks by an altar, and it's said to an unknown God. So this is where Paul begins. And I want to read this scripture. And he's telling them who the one true God really is. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else Paul was trying to explain our God the one true God cannot be contained he will not be confined he won't be put inside our box of human understanding because God is bigger than we can fathom but Paul also brought out a very uh, important point he said God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him though he is not far from any of us See, Paul realized that uh, you know God is close and personal. He knows every detail of our lives. He isn't just a powerful God; He's a personal God. See, and our spiritual growth is also personal and powerful. So, how do we get up close and personal with God? Pastor Buddy shares this every week. He says it's not about rules or relationship. I mean, rules or religion. It's about relationship. It's about an intimate relationship with the Lord. Verse 27 tells us when we actively and wholeheartedly seek God, seek to be close to him, seek to be near him, seek to obey him and walk with him, we're going to find him. He was telling me that a lot this week because we can, we can get overwhelmed with some things. And he was reminding me, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me, you'll find me. So he was reminding me of that a lot this week. I don't know about Pastor Buddy, but when you do something like this, you kind of live what you're going to share for a week or so and it can be a little painful you know as God reveals some areas in my life where I need to make some adjustments and he's showing me the truth about his word and and I don't know I just find that it's it's kind of uh it's kind of cool and bittersweet that you know he's he's working that through me as as I bring this message to you so I'm going to go back to the Grand Canyon and this is the lookout that they made for the Grand Canyon and I heard about this story um of the family who went across the country and they did a driving vacation. And for those of you who like nice hotels more than you like the driving part, you may wanna do a different kind of vacation. But um, he was, they were going on vacation and they started out and he brought the iP- iPad back and he was showing all the pictures um, of his family. And he's like, ah, oh, this, is, this is my family in Lake Tahoe and this is you know, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And these, oh, these are the mountains of the Colorado. It was gorgeous, but this is my favorite picture. This is a picture of my family in front of the Grand Canyon. And he was like, oh, man, how long were you able to stay there? He's like, oh, we were there a really long time. You know, we saw all this really cool stuff. And, you know, the the guy was thinking, well, how long were you there? You know, were you there three or four or five days? And he's like, yeah, we were there for an hour and a half. Woo! And we saw amazing stuff in an hour and a half. He was like, dude, how can you see everything there is to see at the Grand Canyon in an hour and a half? And actually, it was really more like an hour because they spent a half an hour in the gift shop. So it was really like an hour at the Grand Canyon. He was like, dude, you spend more time at the IHOP than you did at the Grand Canyon. You know, and he was like, okay, wait a minute. Maybe I can understand. That's like a national treasure. And the IHOP is an international house of pancakes. So maybe I can see why you spend a little bit more time there. Maybe some of us more than others. But, um, you know, we can laugh at that. But, you know, this week, this is what God was pointing out. A lot of us, were on the room. We're on the rim, you know, um, and we're just standing there and we come to the tip and we never really seek to know him in a deeper and intimate way and really experience him. We see God working in other people's lives. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus, but we never experience him on a daily basis. You know, and he promises if we seek him, we're going to find him. If we seek him with our whole hearts, we're going to find him. And I've kind of labeled it, you know, when we're up here, and I'm just going to use the illustration of the Grand Canyon and in our intimacy with the Lord today. And when we do that, it's called drive-through Christianity. It's, it's it's kind of funny. Pastor Buddy talked about this a week or two ago. You know, and I'm going to call that when we're not really connected with the Lord, we're not really connected with God, but we come to him and we think about him, we're having an emergency, You know, and we're like, oh, God, I have this really big need. And we head right to God's drive-thru. And it's like, dude, Lord, I need a miracle in my finances and supersize it. And while you're at it, I need a happy meal because my family is really struggling right now. My marriage is, is difficult. My children, I'm really having a hard time. And he wants, we want him to get us out of these emergency situations. But we really don't spend time with him any other time. We really don't talk to him and walk with him. And God is so gracious and merciful. He doesn't say, forget it. If you can't come to me all the time, I'm done. Drive-thru's closed. You know, I have to be realistic. I do. I I would respond like that. I'm done. You know, but God is so faithful and he's so merciful. And he says, I'm so glad you're here so that I can meet your needs. But what I really want is for you to come inside and sit down with me so that I can guide you, so that I can strengthen you that I can help you avoid some pitfalls, so that I can work miracles in your life, and so that I can have a relationship with you that's life-changing. But God says, even if you come to me once in a while, I'm so glad you're here, but you're missing out on the blessing I have for you. You know, um, he's called our great reward. He's our great treasure. And I want us to think of him and that relationship as that great treasure that, that we have the ability to have with him. And I want to talk about um, growing uh, spiritually right now. Can you back me up one more? Thanks, baby. I don't know if you can tell, but that's our family. I have to share that. That's us whitewater rafting. But you know what? We need to experience. It's all about a personal experience. I can tell you about whitewater rafting. It's not going to be the same as if you don't experience. experience it for yourself. So we need to realize that spiritual growth is all about a personal experience. See, four million people visit the Grand Canyon every year, but almost all of those people just see it from the rim. They just look at the rim from the rim of the canyon. They don't really experience the fullness of the Grand Canyon. few people step into the canyon and scale down the steep walls and walk the trails and take the big adventure all the way down to the bottom of the canyon, to the power source, the mighty Colorado River. And that's what we do. We stand on the edge and we see God work. We believe in him. We pray, especially when we have an emergency, but we never step down into the depths of God to take his hand and let him guide us down and swim in the rivers of his blessing, to to swim in that living water that he offers each of us, the water that satisfies. And that's what he wants for each one of us. He wants us to have a personal experience with him. That's why we were created. That's why we were created to abide with him and him with us. So while spiritual growth is all about a personal experience, it's all about personal responsibility. This is where it gets a little hard on your heart. You know, Lord was showing me some things this week. See, all too often we want to blame someone else for our lack of spiritual growth. But the truth is, it's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. No one can do that for you. You know, I can't go to the Grand Canyon and, and know that it's this magnificent thing, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, 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 you know, and later on I go and say, you know, the Grand Canyon really didn't speak to me. It didn't show itself to me in a powerful way. It just didn't pop. Now, the truth is I was probably not looking. I was immature, and I wasn't looking for that to um, impact my life. Not that that's the same as what God can do, but I want us to compare. See, all too often we're relying on others for our spiritual growth we have to take that upon ourselves, And as your church, it's our job to point you in the right direction. It's, it's our job to, to have godly teaching, you know, based on God's word. That's, that's critical for us. We, we want to show you the power of God's word and we want to reflect his word accurately. That's why we have a Sunday service and we have a small group on Tuesday to disciple each of us, to grow you in your relationship and And just like we had last week, we have opportunities of fellowship, cookouts and bowling and movies. But it's not the church's job to feed you. It's our job to teach you how to feed yourself. Because we can't feed you in an hour a week. You need to learn how to feed yourself every day. Because I don't know about you, but I need the Lord every moment of every day, not just once a week. You know, and, and pastor buddy is an awesome pastor, but even the best pastor in the world can't feed us enough in one hour, one week. That's why he always tells you, bring your word, read your word. And it's, it's not for his benefit. It's for yours. It's for mine. You know, this intimate relationship with the Lord, it's for me. It's for you. He has that for each one of you. And the last point is it's a, it's a personal responsibility it's about investing in the Lord. It's about investing in that relationship. See, so we have to make a decision to allow God to grow us. It's not about rules or religion. It's about a personal relationship. You know, it's about, I was, I was thinking about the different ways that we could invest in, in the Lord. We can invest with prayer time, studying his word. As Pastor Jimmy always says, um, you know, meditating on his word. I'm sorry, Mr. Chimney says, meditating on his word, um, communing with him, journal time, a time to just thank God for what he's doing. You know, not, not just always give him a list of those emergencies, but, you know, tell him, God, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful you woke me up. I'm thankful that, you know, I can, I can do what I can do, that I can hear, that I can see, that I can worship you. Time worshiping him. Um, you know, that's what um, God wants. He wants us to relate to him. And I want to spend the rest of the time that we're together, how do we relate to him? He wants us to relate to him like a loving father. He is our loving father. And Jesus said in Matthew 6 9, this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven in the Lord's Prayer. He wants us to see him as that perfect heavenly father. And I have to say, sometimes this is a little challenging. Um, You know, not everybody has had an amazing earthly father. You know, some people are so blessed and I hear them talk that they've had a dad who was who was awesome, you know, um, with a great provider, great spiritually, emotionally. He met the needs of their family. But sometimes people, you know, they have a dad who's been a a great provider, but maybe wasn't there emotionally. And some of us, you know, maybe had a dad who wasn't able to be in the picture at all. Um, And the truth is that there are no perfect earthly fathers. We're all imperfect So sometimes we have a hard time relating to God as our loving Heavenly Father because we tend to put the picture of our earthly father on the face of God, and this can cause some problems. But we need to see him as our perfect Heavenly Father. If we don't, we're not going to step off the rim of the canyon, and we're not going to trust him. We're not going to trust him with every aspect of our life. So we have to take away these misconceptions of who God really is and um, how we see him. We have to see him for all that he is. That perfect heavenly father who loves us and will never leave us. Because when we do, that's going to change everything. You know, I thought about when the girls were little and Krista liked to jump, jump, jump. She jumped all the time. She would jump off the couch. She would jump off the bed. When we would go places, she'd catch me, Dad. And sometimes she wouldn't even look to see if Tim was looking. She would just Jump. And she knew without a doubt, dad's going to be there. He's going to catch me. And, you know, sometimes he'd be like, whoa, I didn't know you were going to jump. And I think we need to do that with God. You know, we need to trust him to that level and just uh, jump into his arms and allow him to take us where he wants us to go. Amen. And uh, David understood this. I don't think any of us uh, debate whether David had an intimate person, personal relationship with God. Uh, You know, it said that David was a man after God's own heart. He had that personal relationship with God. And he really describes who God truly is, what God is really like. And this is Psalms 139, 16 through 18. He says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. See, he's personal. He isn't distant. He cares about every aspect of your life. We need to see him as our personal father. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God, is how David starts. God wants to d- connect deeply with you and the details of your life. In Matthew ten thirty, he says that God even knows how many hairs are on our head. I don't even know how many hairs are on my own head, how many fall out every day. You know, he knows us that intimately, which I can't even understand how he does. You know, it doesn't overwhelm him, all humanity, and he knows each of us that intimately. And this is what gets me. He's thinking about me all the time. He's thinking about you all the time, all the time, all the time. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about how much he loves you. He's thinking about the things that concern you, just like Miss Barbara shared last week in her testimony. She was talking about the diamond, but God knows everything about you. He knows what you're going through. He knows the things that concern you, you know? He's thinking about how much he loves you. And in the other verse it said, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. You know, and I thought about that, and I was focusing on the sand. Because we've all been to the beach, and you kind of pick up the sand, and it falls through your hands, and there's no way we can count the grains of sand just in that scoop. Um, But it says that, you know, his thoughts are greater than I can count those grains of sand. But then... It said, how precious are your thoughts. He has precious thoughts. See, I can have a lot of thoughts about people, and they're not always precious. But his thoughts about me and you are precious. They're highly valued thoughts. They're esteemed thoughts. He's always thinking about how much he loves and adores us. And that's something to really soak in, how much he loves you. And he's thinking about how much he loves you so much that outnumbers the grains of sand. That's a lot of thoughts. That's a lot of precious thoughts about each one of you. You know, and some of us are thinking, well, you know, no one really knows what I'm going through. No one understands. Nobody cares. Well, the truth is, God knows what you're going through. Nobody understands. God understands. Nobody gets me. God gets you. And not only does He know, He has the power to do something about it. He wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. The big, the emergencies, the small, the thankfulness. He wants to be involved in your life because He is our personal Father. Not only is He personal, He's purposeful. It goes on to say, and that's, verse that david wrote every day of my life was recorded in your book every moment was laid out before a single day had passed see sometimes we can begin to doubt that god really has a plan for our lives before he created the stars and the planets he was thinking and planning you and he planted you for a magnificent purpose you know and, and i i have to say i i struggle with that you know because i know that God has spoken to, to so, some people that I know, and, and they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is what God's called for me to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And that's awesome. You know, but I, I haven't heard that. Maybe I'm not listening. Maybe I'm not walking close enough to hear. Or maybe I'm thinking it needs to be something huge. And he's whispering to me, this is what I want you to do. My child, this is what I want you to do. You know, um, but sometimes we can be following our own purpose and our own plan. You know, and if we turn to him and repent and say, you know what, Lord, I just want your plan for me. There's, There's no sin. There's no problem. There's no pain that can stop God's purpose for our lives. Nothing. If we just turn to him, he has got a magnificent purpose and plan for you. You know, and I was thinking sometimes we can get so caught up. I can get so caught up with what am I supposed to do? God, what am I supposed to do? I think a better question would be, God, who am I supposed to be? Who do you want me to be? Do you want me to be a man or woman that follows you, that has character and integrity and honesty? Lord, am I obedient? Am I faithful? Do I reflect your grace and your mercy, your forgiveness? Your love. You know, I think being who the Lord wants me to be, I'm going to find that the doing will take care of itself. Because the first thing he wants with each of us is to connect with him in a deep, rich relationship. Do you enjoy your relationship with God? Do you enjoy that relationship? He wants us to. He died so that we could. Do, we could That, that last song that, um, that we sang, Lord my Lord, that just showed his great sacrifice, his great love for each of us. You know, sometimes we may have a checklist. Okay, God, I did this, I did that. Is that good enough? Do you love me now? Are we good? And he says, I love you all the time. I have a great plan for you. You know, and ultimately, it's right there. Uh, Ultimately, you know, we need to realize that we're here to worship him, to glorify him, and to be changed more and more into the image of his dear son. And not only that, that's that's the call for each believer, to worship him, to glorify him, and to be more like Christ in everything that we do. But in the midst of that, he has a beautiful plan for us that he wants to use us to glorify his kingdom and to draw others into that relationship with him. We also, the last thing is, he is our present father. He's not only personal and purposeful, he is always there. He is always present. David said, when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. He promises he will never, ever leave us. He is a present father every day, every moment. See, we've all experienced that abandonment in our lives. We all have. You know, whether it be from our father, or someone that we dearly love, we all experience that, um, that feeling of abandonment. But he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And sometimes we're not willing to trust God with the big things because we're afraid he's going to let us down, that he's going to abandon us. When it comes crunch time, he's not going to come through, that he's going to drop us. But he promises he will never leave us. Acts 17:27 says, if you reach out your hand for him, you will find him because he is always reaching out for you. See, so often we think God's abandoned us, but actually we've abandoned him. I think of the prodigal son and the father and the father is always waiting for him to come back. He's always waiting. He's always looking. He's always longing, you know, and, and, I, and I have to do a heart check myself. If I, if I'm feeling abandoned, it's probably that I've walked away. You know, and I need to come back to him, you know, and even when we sin, it hurts God deeply because he understands how harmful it is for us, but he still loves us. Even if we choose eternity apart from him, he still loves us. You know, it said he sent Christ while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies, he sent Christ to die for us. See, his love is unconditional. And we like to think that we love unconditionally, but we don't, you know, it's all based on how someone responds or if they, if my expectations are met through that person. Um, But God loves us unconditionally. That's, that's why he came. He wants us to have that relationship with him and sin separates us from that relationship with him. And God sent his son to put us back in that right relationship with him. Because he knew that Christ was that, that sacrifice that was needed. That perfect sacrifice. Because it says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. So Christ came so that we could relate to him and he could relate to us. And he took our punishment for our sin. Paying the debt. And he died and rose. And overcame death and sin and the grave. Why? So that we could have that intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father, just like we did in the beginning, because He wants to abide with us. He wants to dwell with us. He sacrificed everything. And when we receive Him, if we take hold of that gift, that salvation that He offers, if we say, Jesus, I need You to be the Lord of my life, you know, if we do that, then nothing, nothing can separate us. From the love of God. Once we put our faith and trust in Him, Romans 838 says it the best for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord see, He is our Father, and He wants us to experience Him. He loves us so much. He is our personal, purposeful, present Heavenly Father. And I want you to really rest in this song, and I want you to drink it in, because I want you to hear He is for you. you but i need to know there's somebody for me god is for you the the creator of the universe is for you and even in our weaknesses he says i'm never going to leave you i'm never going to abandon you he's for you you know and and all too often i'm standing on the rim i don't want to be on the rim you know i want to take his hand down to the very depths of who he is You know, and he's always there. He's always waiting. And today, uh, you know, I want to ask if you've never, if you've never asked him to come, if you've never received his grace through Jesus Christ, through that sacrifice on the cross, I pray today that you do, that you take hold of his hand and you accept his forgiveness and grace that he offers. Ask him to come and be the Lord of your life receive Him as your Savior and begin your journey with Him because He's not going to leave you. He's for you. He never abandons you even when it feels like everything else is. Know that He isn't. He is your forever perfect Heavenly Father. He is all that you need. And for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus and our salvation is secure in Him. And if we're just hanging around on the rim, I pray today that you trust him, that you trust your perfect heavenly father. Take hold of his hand and step out and experience the great adventure of this life he has for you. To really touch the water of his blessings, to touch his living water and enjoy the relationship that he has for you. I, I pray that today that you're mindful of our responsibility, you know, that it's it's a personal experience, that it's it's our responsibility, that it's about that relationship with Him. And then we look at the Lord as our perfect Heavenly Father. He's personal and purposeful and He's ever-present. And I, I'd like to, to close in prayer. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Oh, Lord, that you came so that we could have that intimate relationship with you again oh lord that you sent your son so that we could dwell with you again so that we could abide with you when we put our faith and trust in you nothing nothing in all creation can separate us from you from your love oh lord god i i need to know that that you're for me lord i, I know that everyone needs to know that you are for them in a world that feels like there's so much against it, you are for us, oh Lord God. And thank you, thank you that you are our perfect heavenly Father, oh Lord God. That we can rest in you, that we can trust in you, oh Lord. That uh you know, as we leave, I pray, oh Lord, that we're we're thinking about you, that we're talking about you, that we're we're thinking about where we are in this journey. Are we are we on the rim? Are we in the middle? Or are we abounding in the water of you and, and that blessing of that living water with you? Oh, Lord, I, I pray that each of us would step off, that we would take hold of, of who you are, that we would trust you and that we would rest in you and in that journey that we have with you. Oh, Lord, I lift up each one here. And I pray if there's any, uh, Lord God, who don't know you, that today is the day that they take hold. Uh, of of their heavenly father and receive the gift that you gave us on the cross by putting your faith and trust in Jesus and receiving that uh, that offering oh Lord God just thank you for your word I I pray that it uh, just ministers to us this week as you have ministered to me oh Lord God thank you for all that you're doing for all that you are oh Lord God and uh, we just want to praise you to worship you and to follow the plan that you have for each one of us and that intimate relationship with you in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask Pastor Buddy to stand and and dismiss each of us.